thank you for being here today. Well, today we are finishing up our series called Paraclete. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. I may have already shared this word. Uh, we're, we're, I, I love to give you these fancy words sometimes so we can all feel uh, really good about ourselves. We've been developing our pneumatology. That's the word. Everybody say pneumatology. It's our theology around the Holy Spirit. Does it, do you feel smarter now? Somebody's going to tell me afterwards, you didn't use that word correctly. That's probably, that may be right also. Uh, but we've been building together our understanding of the Holy Spirit and uh, really trying to grow in our understanding of the Holy Spirit and uh, trying to come to a place where we, where we acknowledge the Holy Spirit's place in the Godhead and how, who He is and how He works in our life. Uh, I say this often, and I, I apologize if I exhaust you in saying this, but um, we encourage you, go to our website or any of our social media streams. You can download a podcast of the messages always the week after. And so if you haven't been here, this is definitely a series that you're going to want to download. Um, in fact, I had a couple of people come to me last week and said, I was here, but I want to go and download that because you shared a lot of information, and I want to make sure that I get that. And so I can't encourage you enough. Uh, to go and do that. This has just been one of those series where we've learned a lot together. And as we continue forward today, we're going to finish up this series, and we're going to be talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because as much as the Holy Spirit is God, and He's here uh, to come into our lives and to help us to grow and transform and to demonstrate the character and nature of Jesus, He's also here to empower us. And so we're going to talk about His empowerment, and we're going to talk about what that empowerment specifically is for. We've been looking at quite a few verses of Scripture during this series, but we've anchored the series really in a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. I hope that during your daily 20 over the last several weeks that you've been reading uh, John 14, 15, and 16. If you haven't, I would encourage you to do that because it really is a big portion of Scripture in which Jesus specifically talks about the identity of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. John chapter 14 verses 15 through 17 says this, and I, excuse me, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the paraclete, the, whole, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. This, of course, is Jesus talking uh, to his disciples and his closest followers as they are in this transition of what's going to happen as Jesus is, uh, is about to go to the cross and he's about to then ascend into heaven. And they're unclear on all of this stuff. And Jesus is explaining to them, listen, God is not leaving you. In fact, God is going to be present with you because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is is God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus wanted the disciples to understand. He wanted those who were following him to understand that God wasn't leaving them alone. In fact, in fact, God was going to be now in every single one of them. And that the Holy Spirit's purpose or what he was there to do really was to amplify Jesus. To make louder, to make vocal, to make seen, to make, make heard the name, the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is his primary work. We see that over and over and over again in scripture. Just like Jesus didn't do anything outside of the Father and he did everything in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does everything through uh, being sent by God, uh, delivering the message of truth from God that is the gospel of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. We've learned together over the last several weeks, if you really want to measure the activity of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, the measure of the Holy Spirit truly is inward transformation. As you read John chapter 14, Jesus makes it clear. When you want to look for somebody and you want to see, are they really walking in the Spirit? Well, it's going to be simple. You're going to see inward transformation, and that inward transformation is going to look like fruit in their life. It's going to look like them transforming away from their flesh and more becoming more like Jesus. As we continue in this series, we see that Jesus has been trying to teach the disciples about the activity of the Holy Spirit more than just in John chapter 14. If you go to John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, the Bible says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart, or I I love the old King James version that I grew up on, out of their bellies, I love that, shall flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now I kind of made light a little earlier about the fact that we're developing our pneumatology, we're developing our theology around the Holy Spirit, and and I've really been trying to do that during this series, and one of the things that we have to understand is that there was a period of time as Jesus had come to earth, and he had brought the kingdom and had manifested the kingdom, there was this transition period as Jesus was going to the cross and then was about to ascend into heaven, in which everything about how God was relating to his people and specifically manifesting his kingdom on the earth was shifting and changing and so when Jesus was teaching his disciples or those who were following him about the Holy Spirit we have to understand that he was he was shifting and changing their mindset about the activity of the Spirit of God these were spiritual people they understood that God was at work by his spirit on the earth but their understanding of how that was to take place was shifting and changing as Jesus was moving them from a mindset in which the priesthood and, and the anointing and the power of God was limited to a select few people to a place where all believers were going to be joining into the priesthood in which all believers were not only going to have access but right and the release of the power of God through their life. This was new. This was revolutionary to their minds because up until this point, the anointing or how they would think about the activity of the Spirit was limited to just a few people who had specifically been chosen and marked by God. And so Jesus is challenging that mindset and beginning to move them to an understanding that now as his followers, everyone had a part in the activity and the movement of the Holy Spirit. Followers of Jesus, we talked about this last week, followers of Jesus from this point forward would now live naturally supernatural lives. That supernatural capacity, that supernatural power wouldn't just be limited to the guy on stage. It wouldn't just be limited to that that lady judge. And and anyone who knows the Old Testament knows that God didn't just use men in the Old Testament. There were women that God specifically anointed by his spirit and used 
used and chosen. So if anyone's told you otherwise, they're not reading the whole Bible for what it actually says. There were places in history where God by his spirit has put his hand specifically on people as prophet, peace, priest, king, judges. And he specifically anointed them at places and times to accomplish his purposes. But now Jesus is saying, for everyone who's going to be my follower, for everyone who is going to be in my kingdom, the Holy Spirit is going to take up residence inside of you. But not only is he going to take up residence inside of you, not only are you going to come and drink of this living water, but something as powerful is going to happen. You're going to become a source from which that living water flows to the earth around you. All of you who are my followers will be naturally supernatural. Luke chapter 24, verses 48 through 49, the Bible says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, you are witnesses of these things. This is Jesus talking to them about all that's gone on and all that they've seen. And he's gone to the cross. He's been resurrected. And these incredible things have happened. And now he says this, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What I'm reading to you are the last words of instructions that Jesus gives to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. Think about it. Jesus has gone to the cross. He's died on the cross. He's been resurrected from the dead. He spent time with them. He's been teaching them. And, and right before he is, ascend, is to ascend into heaven, the last thing that he says to them is he reminds them of his previous words about this promise that was to come. And he says, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem until that promise comes. This gift that I've been telling you about, this activity of the spirit that I've been telling you about, Jesus says it's so important it's so powerful. It's so strategic to what's going to happen. Go wait. Don't do anything until that promise comes. So, of course, they go to Jerusalem and they're waiting. See, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, Scripture teach us, teaches us, is the manifest presence of God empowering believers. So when we talk about Pastor, what, what, what is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God. Well, what does he do? Well, what he does is he leads us into all truth and he declares the word, the message of Jesus so that we might be empowered to be his heralds, to be the ones who also will be declaring truth and will also be pointing people to Jesus. In other words, Jesus is inviting every one of us in this room all believers who have ever followed him throughout all human history, from that time forward, he invites them into this empowerment in which they will now have the capacity to carry forward the message that he has been sharing and the kingdom that has come. And so as Jesus shares to his disciples, go wait in Jerusalem and you're going to receive this empowerment. They go and they wait in Jerusalem. And then we pick up in the book of Acts chapter, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Or Acts chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. And while they were, uh, and while staying with them, he ordered them. I'm sorry, I've skipped ahead. I'm on the wrong verse, sound booth people. I apologize. I read to you Acts chapter 1 
uh, verses 4 and 5. And while staying there with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said to them, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he goes on to say to them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, what Jesus is saying to them is this empowerment is going to come. This empowerment is the Holy Spirit that takes up in residence inside of you that will then become an overflowing power out of you. And as that overflowing power comes out of you, you will be my witnesses to all the earth. He's invited those who are following him to join into the same power that was at work in his life as he brought the kingdom and manifested it on the earth. See, both Jesus and the prophets prophesied and promised this anointing that was going to come for all believers. When we read in Scripture about the day of Pentecost and this moment in which the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up and he, he, declares, uh, uh, and he declares a prophecy that we had seen in the Old Testament from the prophet Joel. He taught that this spiritual anointing that Joel talked about was in fact the same thing that had happened on this day, on the day of Pentecost. In the Old Testament, when people or prophets spoke about spiritual anointing, they were speaking of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person to empower them for a specific purpose. Remember earlier I mentioned prophets, priests, kings, judges. The Holy Spirit would come up on a person in a moment and would anoint them. There was a sense in which the anointing was an actual ritual that they would go through and they would pour oil on a people. But that anointing as a, as a, as a ritual was a symbolic demonstration of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person and literally clothing them, empowering them, giving them the capacity and the authority to accomplish a specific purpose. So as the prophet Joel spoke and as Jesus brought this together and then, and then Peter affirmed on the day of Pentecost, this idea of anointing not, was now not just limited to a few people. Now it was available to all people who were followers of Jesus. Joel chapter 2 verses 28 through 29 says this, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You've got to understand how revolutionary this concept was. At this time when the prophet Joel spoke, even at this time when Jesus spoke those words, and Peter got up and, and said, this prophecy is all about this moment. Because it wasn't just the 12 uh, apostles, the 12 disciples on the day of Pentecost who were filled with the Spirit and who were baptized in the Holy Spirit and were speaking in heavenly languages and were prophesying. and doing. No, it was the whole group of people that were there that day. And so when Peter gets up and he reads or he, he, he um 
he repeats what the prophet Joel had said. It was a moment that shifted everything. It leveled the ground. It's why last week when we were talking, we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit, none of us in this room have more or less of the Holy Spirit. We're all filled with the same Holy Spirit. None of us have are more powerful or less powerful. You can't divide up the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person in the Trinity. I don't get more or less of the Holy Spirit. Now, the manifestation of the Spirit may be different in a different circumstance or situation depending upon a person and also a person's cooperation and release of the gift in its life. But in this moment, Joel and then Peter were saying, listen, here's the thing about the gift of the Holy Spirit is that it's not limited and it's not measured for a select group of people. Notice what Joel said, and then Peter said, he said, listen, it's not more for men or less for women or more for slaves or less for slave owners or whatever may be the case. It's the same Holy Spirit, and everyone has access to it. In fact, he says this promise is for everybody. Would, would you say everybody? Would everybody say Everybody. Unintended play on words right there. It's for everybody. That's what Joel was trying to say. That's what, that's what Peter was trying to say. That's what Jesus was teaching. This gift of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. It's not just for a select few. And you got to understand how much this was challenging. If you get this, you'll understand why they murdered Jesus. You think they murdered Jesus just because, you know, he was too nice or something? No, they murdered Jesus because he turned the power structure upside down. He tore down these stages. He tore down this distance that said some people are better than others. Some people have more of God than others. Some people are more holy than others. Some people are more powerful than others. Jesus was challenging every bit of that. It's the same reason the prophets were killed is why Jesus was killed is because these power dynamics were being challenged. Peter was saying, listen, this promise, this Holy Spirit is for all of us because all of us have been transformed through the power of the gospel, through the blood of Jesus Christ. All of our sins have been washed away. We are judged by God, not according to our sin, not according to our guilt and condemnation, not according to how much I've studied the Bible or how much I've studied the Torah or how, me, how well I speak in front of people. No, no, no. It's because of the blood of Jesus we have access to the power of God. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what college you've been to or how much money you have. It doesn't matter what degrees are after your name. All of us have access to the presence and power of God. That's what got Jesus murdered. It's what got the disciples murdered. It's what makes the gospel revolutionary. Is that every one of us, every one of us are children of God. And every one of us have access to the gift of Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were setting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. 
and they were all filled. Everyone say all. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It didn't say just the 12 apostles. It didn't say just the men. It didn't say just the adults. It said they were all filled with the Spirit. And all of them began to experience the overflow of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is to empower all believers to declare the message of Jesus. The promise that Jesus talked about, the promise that the prophet Joel talked about, the promise that Peter acknowledged on the day of Pentecost, this promise is the activation of the Holy Spirit that is already in us for his service. The Holy Spirit is placed in our life when we receive salvation. But here we're talking about a subsequent or a second work after salvation in which an overflow of the Spirit begins to take place in our lives. And it is for all believers for the proclamation of the gospel all over the world at all times. Biblically, there's no room for confusion. The promise of the Holy Spirit is the empowerment of the people of God for the service of manifesting the kingdom of God through the proclamation of the message of Jesus Christ. You'll have to listen to the podcast. I couldn't say that again if I tried. Scripture articulates that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was for a specific purpose. It's not just to make me feel good about myself. It's not just a bless me club. Although we learned, we read, we talked about, Peter talked about the fact that when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in other languages, if there is not interpretation, it is there for our own edification. We have to understand that the gift of the Holy Spirit wasn't just given so that we could edify ourselves. It was given so that we might be built up and so that we might declare the message of the kingdom of God. Followers of Jesus are baptized in the Holy Spirit so that we are empowered to declare the wonders of God. I love it because if you really will track and trace and understand the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the process specifically that Joel was talking about and Jesus was talking about, we will understand that every bit of the work of the Holy Spirit often ties back to this concept of the revelatory work of the kingdom, the message of Jesus. It's not just about me. It is about me multiplying what God has done in my life. There is a direct correlation between Holy Spirit baptism and the revelation and declaration of the kingdom of God. The more, the more that I cooperate with the work and the flow of the Holy Spirit, the more my mouth becomes the mouthpiece of God to reveal His mysteries on the earth. Well, I got excited about that. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 39, after all of this had taken place, when the people heard this, when Peter got up and he was talking to them, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the others, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. When Peter gets up and he says, This, that's your scene today. This is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is that promise. They said, Well, what do we do? 
Peter replied, repent, be baptized, and every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off. I'm so grateful that that promise was for all who are are afar off. Because you and I are all who are afar off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. See, this gift is for all of us. From that point forward, we have access. We have access to this move and this flow of the Holy Spirit. And so like those people on the day of Pentecost, you may, you may hear and you may understand, okay, pastor, I get it. I've learned during the series, the Holy Spirit is at work inside of me. He's transforming me from the inside out, and, and I'm moving away from my flesh, and I'm moving more toward Jesus, and that's a work of the Spirit. I get that, and I, I get that the Holy Spirit is in me, and He's producing gifts. I get that, but how do I, how do I experience this, this subsequent work of salvation that I see in Scripture? How do I experience this baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, you're not off base in asking that question because on the day of Pentecost, those people ask that question as well. And we see in the book of Acts that there is a pattern. In the book of Acts, we see a pattern of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They uh, they occur here in Acts chapter 2, then also in chapters 10 and 19. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is experienced by people, or there is experienced as people draw near to Jesus. So there's a pattern that we see in the book of Acts. People experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is the first thing that we see about that pattern? It's important to notice biblical patterns because what I've learned growing up in the church, especially growing up in a church that's passionate about the move of God, is that oftentimes people can take their personal experience and they can turn it into the law for somebody else. In other words, Sister Sally Joe Bob, and I can use that name because I don't think any of you are named Sally Joe Bob. Sister Sally Joe Bob experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit when she was 32 years old and she was standing on her head juggling, you know, glass bottles at the time and boom, the Holy Spirit came on her. And so from that point forward, Sister Sally Joe Bob, every time she prays with somebody, she says, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you have to stand on your head and juggle glass bottles. And, and people have these moments where God genuinely moves, but they turn their moment where God genuinely moves into, in their life, they turn that moment into the law for somebody else. Did any of you ever have that happen to you? Well, when I was healed, God, I had to do this and this and this. So if you want to be healed, then you got to do this and this and this. Anybody but me. Right? Oh, if you want to be blessed, then you got to do this. If you want to, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you have to, you have to, you know, have to bow down your head this way, and you have to do this, and and we turn our experience into a theology. Well, there's a problem with that. While your experience may be valid and it may be real, your experience isn't necessarily a theology for all people at all times. So what do we do? Because we're people of the Bible, we look to the Scripture for patterns, and it's out of the Scripture that we develop theology. Ah, this is good stuff. So we look in Scripture. What are the patterns in Scripture? Not what was Randy's experience, and in just a little while, I'll tell you my experience. 
but not what was Randy's experience for our, our, our normative pattern. Let's look in Scripture for what the normative pattern was. Well, the first thing that we see as the normative pattern in the book of Acts, which is our primary understanding of what happened in the early history of the early church, was that the people would come together and they would worship Jesus. It seems as though we can see it from Scripture over and over and over again that the people came together and they worshipped Jesus. The Bible says that they came together and they prayed together. We see that over and over and over again. The New Testament church continually prayed and they continually worshipped God. It was their normative pattern of behavior to spend time seeking Jesus and bringing glory and honor to him. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a mythological or mystical thing only reserved for a few special people. Instead, it was the normative pattern of the New Testament church as they came together and they sought the face of Jesus. In fact, the book of Acts demonstrates that as they would come together to worship over and over and over again, they would experience a fresh outpouring of the presence of God. They would experience a fresh outpouring of God manifesting himself in them and among them. That's why when we come together, we spend time in worship and spend time in prayer. We don't just do it because we like it. We do it because it was the pattern of the New Testament church. They would come together and they would worship. And as they would come together and they would seek God, his presence would fill the room. What we also see as we look at the New Testament church concerning the pattern of how people experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is experienced when people, when people come together, they draw near to Jesus, and when they sense the Holy Spirit come upon them. So the first thing we see is that they would come together for worship. They would come together to learn. They would come together to minister. And when they would come together, the Bible says, secondly, they would sense the presence of God. There would be a moment in which they experienced within their own heart, their own mind, their own spirit, what they could sense was the Spirit of God coming upon them. It was mentioned in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19. The pattern is there over and over again. People seek Jesus and then as they are seeking Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to manifest itself in their life in some tangible way that they could communicate, I feel, I sense the presence of God. This is not an extraordinary thing biblically. We see it over and over again through scripture, but... We have to be careful because for different people, that sensation may feel different. Everyone say feel. In this room, we are different people. We have different personalities. We've had different experiences. And as a result of our different personalities and our different experiences and the different ways in which God has moved in our life, we have a, we have a strong tendency to feel God differently. But as I was mentioning earlier, the great, one of the great injustices that we've done in the church is that we have taken our own personal feeling of God and we have put it on other people and said, for it to be authentic, you have to feel him the way that I feel him. But the truth is, in this room, that's going to be a different experience. What we can know from Scripture is whatever that is for you, we know it happens. Because Scripture says it happens over and over and over again. So it's not my place to tell you how to feel. I can do my best to describe it to you. 
when I was uh, eight years old, I had learned about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I desired passionately, I desired passionately for there to be an overflow of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I began to seek the Lord. I began to pray and ask the Lord for this experience, for this subsequent work from salvation, and began to ask the Lord for this. And I remember we would have special meetings, we would have church services, and I would, I would go down to the front, and I would ask for prayer. And Sister Sally Jo Bob, actually her name was Sister Melba, that's really her name, and I don't think any of you are named Mr. Sister Melba, but Sister Melba would pray for me. And I remember other people in the church would pray for me. And, and they loved me, and they were doing everything they could do to help me. And I remember them saying, hold on, Randy, just hold on. And then the next person would come up to me, and they're, just let go, just let go. <laughs> and then you had the people, it's, it's as if, I got to come down here. I don't know what the mic's going to spoil. It's like they thought, like, the closer they yelled in tongues to my face, Sorry, you got your mask on, so we're COVID, okay. That like, if they, and they would get up right in my ear. Anybody ever have any that experience? Like they get right up in your ear and they're yelling, man. Who stole a Honda? Who stole a Honda? I don't have a Honda. I can't drive, I'm eight. Come on, somebody, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like they get right in that ear, man. I'm a pretty loud little dude, but man, that just was not working for me. But everybody's just trying to help, right? They're trying to, they're trying to give me their experience. But I'll never forget, eight years old, it was such a privilege. Just earlier, at the end of last year, I was able to go back to that church that my family was going to little tiny church I was able to actually go back to there um, and visit that little church I can take you to the spot I can take you to the spot and the cool thing about it I don't know how cool it is it hadn't changed a bit man it was a revival service my mom had been sick and um, I don't even I don't know what what she was, go what was going on with her being sick, but she had gone up to the front to be prayed for, and I remember being so just moved to go pray for her, and I went up and I prayed for her, so other people were praying for her, and then I, I just had a sense. This was my feeling. I just had a sense. The Lord said, "Just, just step back. Just step back and get alone with me for a moment." And I remember she was in relation to the building. She was about right there. And I moved and went to the second row. And I just went to that second row. And like I said, I'm, I can be a loud person. But on that second row, just quietly, I remember just saying, Lord, you give good gifts to your children. And your word says that this gift is for me. Touching me with no one else laying their hand on me, certainly no one yelling in my ear, telling me what to say or how to say it. All of a sudden, there was a moment that I could just sense the presence of God. 
was a moment that I did what is the third thing that we see in Scripture is the pattern in the New Testament. That I, as I begin to seek Jesus and sense the presence of God, I just surrendered. I just surrendered my mouth. And out of something that came out of me, it wasn't in my logic, it wasn't in my thinking, I began to pray in a, in a language that I didn't know. Something began to flow out of me. See, what we see in Scripture is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is experienced when people surrender their speech. And I, I, I genuinely do wish I had a few hours to track all of this with you uh, biblically about just the significance and the importance of the surrendered tongue. And there's so much beautiful things in Scripture about all of this that we just don't have time for today. But the significant thing is this, that for me in that moment, it looked different than other people's experience. It wasn't working for me the way that it had worked for other people, but it did work for me in the pattern that we see in the New Testament, which is this, I sought Jesus, I sensed his presence, and I surrendered my control of my speech, and the Holy Spirit began to flow out of me in words that were unknown, unintelligible to me, but that my heavenly Father knows. See, on the day of Pentecost, they began to speak in other languages, and there were people that were there that day who heard the gospel for the very first time because some of those people who were speaking in those unknown languages to them were actually speaking languages that were known to people in that crowd that day. In fact, there, there's story after story after story throughout church history from that point forward in which the gospel message has been declared in, in languages that people did not know because the power of the Holy Spirit was there. But Paul also talked about the fact that there are times that we speak in tongues of men and there are times that we speak in tongues of angels. Maybe we're not speaking an earthly, an earthly intelligible language. Maybe we're praying in a heavenly language. But that language is unknown to the individual. And the truth is it's not about the individual. It's the overflow of the Holy Spirit out of their life. And from that point forward, this timid group of people who had been fragmented and who had been broken and who were somewhat lost as a result of this incredible trauma that they had experienced going back to John 14, 15, and 16, this place of transition in which things were changing and they didn't know what was going to happen next. And Jesus says, come on, come on. Just understand, I'm not leaving you alone. Instead, instead, rather than you just having one of me, that as God, we're going to take up resident inside of you, and not just inside of you. God himself, the power of God himself is going to flow out of you, out of your bellies, out of your heart, out of your being is going to flow rivers of living water. You're going to speak things that are unintelligible to you, but it is the truth. It is the life and message of Jesus. We see in the New Testament church is that this moment happened on the day of Pentecost, and we see it repeated over and over and over again as the church would come together, they would experience the presence of God, they would begin to seek Jesus, they would sense His, His presence come upon them, and this overflow would take place over and over 
and over again. So maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor Randy, I've never experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What do I do? Well, I'm not going to yell in your ear. I'm not going to spit on you. I'm not going to tell you to stand on your head or you have to travel to Texarkana, Arkansas to a tiny little church on Grimm Street and stand on the second row and do what I did. I don't know what that experience is going to be like for you. I've talked with many people throughout my life who've experienced that moment in different places, in different spaces, in different ways. But I do know this, what we find in common is the pattern that we see in Scripture, which is this. People seek Jesus, they sense His presence, and they surrender their mouth. And as they surrender, they surrender control, they surrender their capacity to know and think about and formulate their words and they cooperate with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden they move past their flesh and they move into the Spirit and they begin to declare the mysteries of God. Notice, the Bible says in the book of Acts, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's so significant to understand. You and I speak as the Spirit gives us utterance. Part of my problem as an eight-year-old was that I was waiting because I'd been, I'd been in so many of these services, right, where people, oh, they just got the power of God all over them, right? And I was waiting, you know, I was waiting for these electric bolt moments where, like, I was going to be, like, possessed and the Spirit was just going to take over my body, right? Anybody besides me? Y'all didn't grow up like I did. Like, I was just waiting for this time where I was going to have this, like, out-of-body experience and I was, it was going to take over me. And it wasn't that. You know why it wasn't that? Because that's not what the Bible says it is. The Bible says that it's this place of cooperation where I speak, so I'm physically involved in the act, as the Spirit gives the utterance. I cooperate. I cooperate with the river that's flowing out of me. So I don't know what that's going to look like for you today. But I do know this. If you'll seek Jesus... If you'll seek the giver of the gift, if you'll truly seek him, his presence is going to come upon you. And as his presence comes upon you, if you'll cooperate with what you sense going on inside of you, it will flow out of you. And the Lord desires that gift. He desires that gift for every one of us. That's why Paul said, I would that you all pray in tongues and I would that you all prophesy. I would that you all move in the spirit. And we here at North Place, we would that you all we would that every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, would just cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's for you. From the youngest to the oldest, to the new Christian, to the Christian that's been around forever. For the male, for the female, red, yellow, black and white, every one of us, it is for you. There's no, there's no magical, mystical way of making it happen. But there is a pattern that we see in Scripture. See, there were times in the New Testament where we see people having hands laid on them and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then there are times when they were just together and praying and the Holy Spirit came into the room. It happens different for different people. But it's for all of us. I pray that you bless this people. May they develop, may we develop a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit.
And may your gifts not be used as leverage or manipulation or some are better than others, but instead may we understand that we all have been promised this gift and therefore we all can walk in it throughout our weeks. Lord, I bless this people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here today.